Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of The Growth Garden, our podcast dedicated to cultivating your career progression and personal growth. I'm your co-host, Kevin. Hi, and I'm Nikki. And in today's episode, we're welcoming a very special guest, Jeffrey Davis. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Jeffrey. Jeffrey is working for one of the largest companies in the Middle East called Majid Al-Futem, and he's the director of digital strategy and disruptive technology. At the same time, he's building his startup, Scope Notes, to help account managers follow up faster. So we chose Jeffrey as our first speaker of the Growth Garden podcast because we want to discuss what it is like to work on a startup whilst also managing a full-time career. So what we will be dress addressing with Jeffrey is how he manages his time, how he stays motivated and accountable, and what drives him to build his own business whilst managing his career and his personal life. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today, Jeffrey. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to being uh, the first guest for you guys. We're very excited. <laughs> As our former going forward, we would love to get to know you very quickly, much better. And hence, we have a little icebreaker prepared. You get 30 seconds from us to introduce yourself in regards to your, your career. So give us one fact about your career, one fact about your startup that we would love to hear, and then one fact about your personal life. Nikki will take the time. Cool. Go ahead and start the time. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. ready. Ready, set, go. Cool. So I am Jeffrey. I work for Magic Alpha as mentioned earlier. My biggest thing there is I do all of the new technology. So anything to do with like Web3, AI, gaming. So I'm part of like a generative AI uh, task force. So this is the main thing that I do on a day-to-day -day basis is piloting new technology inside the organization. For my startup, I've been working on it for two and a half years. And now we are essentially focused on making account managers follow up faster and be a lot better with client relationships. Now for personal life, I've lived in three different countries and I'd like to live in a fourth, though so California around the US, then in London in the UK, so around Europe, and then now I'm in the Middle East in Dubai. And I would very much uh, love to also live in East Asia, Singapore, someplace like this, so I could have traveled all these places before going back home. Amazing, 30 seconds is up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, Jeffrey. No, and, I, and I've been like obviously visiting you guys in, in Dubai and it's definitely super, super cool place to live, especially right now. Yeah. So let's dive straight into your career journey. You've been obviously living as well, as you just mentioned, in the UK. Mm -hmm. You graduated from Health Business School. And then so now from Health Business School to now actually working at the company you're working at, how often did you actually sw switch careers ever since you graduated? Good question. So when I first started out my career, let's say when I was in university, I was doing a bunch of internships for startups in marketing and I studied marketing. That was my original thing. And then from there, working on all these different startups, I ended up in one startup where we needed to do a little bit of redo of like the user experience and the actual product. Uh, and that was my first career switch where we actually brought in, I remember sketching some stuff of like the application and trying to draw these like wireframes of what the app should look like. And we brought in an actual professional UX designer who did an updated of the application and listed all these facts that kind of blew my mind in terms of like what it was to actually be a UX designer. And I was like, oh, so that's what it is when you're an actual professional at doing something. So I ended up switching my careers to do UX design from that. One of the big things that he told us, he was like, we had lots of carousels and he's like, 
carousels are hard to navigate. Lists are much easier. And this was the thing that blew my mind. And I was like, obviously, so logical. And I'm quite a logical person. So UX design was an easy switch. So I ended up leaving that startup. But that guy became uh, my one of my first mentors and then also became creative director at a design agency where they essentially taught me UX design from the ground up. Uh, they were all very kind to me as a young kid trying to figure out things. Um, so did UX from there. And then after got into creative direction. So as I kind of rose up the ranks of UX, started doing my own startups, started doing creative direction on those types of projects. And then I joined uh, IBM, who was doing UX design there, still doing startups on the side for creative direction. And then after that, moved to Magic Alpha Team, where I am now, where I joined as an associate creative director, moved up to creative director. And now I've switched careers again. <laughs> and now I essentially focus on all the new technology, more on the strategy stuff uh, to do with digital. I'm using all the experiences that I've gained, uh, but now um, dealing specifically, I guess, niche down in new tech and how we're to build and pilot a new technology in a corporate environment. Very interesting. Very cool. And yeah, that, that's a lot of curious switch in, the, in a way in terms of your, your actual skill set you were, you were kind of asked to do in, in, your, in your job back then mm. and still now to the state. Very, very cool. But why then the thrive for entrepreneurship exactly at this point? from quite a lot of corporate experience, which has been quite diverse, mm. back to, not back actually, now into the new journey of, of starting your own company. What has been like the main driver for, for that? Uh, great question. So I think the main driver for that comes from my, my twin, uh, twin inspirations, which are both my parents. So my dad is someone who hates working for people. He's always had his own businesses and that's kind of been his whole thing. And then my mom who's worked in corporates for most of her life until recently where she's now started her own business and restaurant. So I think entrepreneurship, I've been able to see in my parents quite often, and there's always been a bit of a balance. I mean, I, I think in America, it's always like a big thing to be like, ah, oh, there's a shiny new startup guy. This is around the time of like Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, all these guys before as they were kind of coming up. And this was the kind of new cool thing to be in startups. So I always wanted to have my own business, have my own startup, and it's always been a drive. And I think now as I kind of, Uh, move through. I really want that freedom that it allows, which a corporate job doesn't allow because you've got to either be there from nine to five or you've got to listen to someone tell you that you need to do a task because there's a wider objective of the company that we have to adhere to. Whereas when you're doing your own startup, um, it's kind of your thing, what you decided to do in your passion. And uh, I think the freedom that will allow from, you're not, you're never essentially going to be able to be economically free working for like a corporation, unless you've got a startup that went big and you took some of the stock. So the best way to kind of have that economic freedom is for you to start your own business, for it to blow up, and then for you to be able to live your best life. So that's what my drive is, is to live my best life. <laughs> Don't we all want? That's what we all want. That's what we all want. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's really interesting. And I think a lot of our listeners are also thriving for entrepreneurship. And it's really great to just hear why you thrive for it. And now that we know that, can you give us a bit of an idea of what your startup is about and what you're actually creating? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. So the product that we're building is because now I'm playing in the generative AI space at work, it was easy to kind of carry that over, which essentially we allow you to take any meeting notes, transcripts, easily paste them into our tool. Uh, we run a couple cool magic scripts and uh, you get all of your next steps, actions and decisions made from all the conversations that you've kind of had. So they sit pretty and nice. So for example, I forward every email that comes to me 
two scope notes, and then I get an action list the next day of all the things that I need to do. And then I can press a quick <laughs> button and anything that I need a follow-up email for. So a client asked me for X, Y, Z, I had a meeting, press the button, generates a follow-up email, and then I can send it right away rather than me falling behind on like a hundred different emails that come into my inbox on a day-to-day -day basis, never getting back to anyone and having no idea what I was supposed to get back to. So it's just an easy way to keep up with all the conversations you have, because when you're first starting your career, it's all about your project tasks that people give you. But as you move up in your career, it becomes more about the conversations you have. So how do you manage all those conversations when they're not for a project particularly, but they're happening all over the place. And now you have 10,000 stakeholders instead of one boss with one project. Cool. So you're making people's lives easier and more efficient. Yeah. We try to make sure that you can follow up a little bit faster and we make sure it's easier yes. than it was before. Great. So the other question we want to ask you is having those dual roles, it must be really demanding, right? Working in a big corporation, doing quite demanding job, but at the same time, also running your startup and getting it up and running, which we know, especially in the early stages is really, really demanding. How do you really strike a good balance between your full-time job and your startup uh, without sacrificing, I guess, either of the two? Mm. So I think having partners is one of the things that I've learned is the most important for me as a person who's like very like highly focused and like task driven. So it's good to have partners that can help split the, the weight. So if someone is essentially too busy with work, there's someone else who can pick up the slack. So when we first started our company, this was kind of how we knew we were going to start it as working in this business. And we knew, okay, Sammy's going to be really busy doing this. Chris is going to have this event. Jeffrey's going to have to do something. So we all know that we need to kind of be able to do each other's jobs or at least pick up the slack when someone isn't there. And I think that's helped quite a bit is being able to have that. And I think organizing the calendar to make sure that everyone's got a slot of time. So we meet essentially three, four times a week. So three times during the week, one long time and a block on four hour on Sundays. And the rest of the time is essentially your nine to five job, right? So you're doing that. And then you might have your hour call three times a week. And then you have your four hour session where we have like a really long block to work on stuff. The thing that made the big difference for us was that four hour block that allowed us to actually be working at the same time. Whereas if you're just doing like small catch up, small catch up, small catch up, the day to day of life uh, kind of continues to kind of come. You still have to hang out with your girlfriend. You still have to hang out with friends. You still have to go to work every single day. So this makes it a lot easier when you're saying this is dedicated time and commitment, not just for me, but for my partners uh, has made this uh, possible. Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's, that's very true. And, and do you then have dedicated roles within your, within your startup for each of the three co-founders? Yeah. So I assume you're on the, on the marketing sales side, or are you in the business development space? What's your, what's your per se role as well as the co-founders roles? Yeah. Good question. I think when we first started, everyone just kind of had, I think still to this day, we all just have a managing partner role. Like there's no general thing. So when we first started, it was kind of when you're in your startup, you kind of, everyone needs to be focused on the same exact thing at the same exact time in order for you to be moving forward. And if you mm -hmm. have one guy who's doing this and one guy who's doing this, another guy doing this, sometimes it's hard to bring it all back together, especially since we all have full-time jobs. So it's actually most important that everyone's kind of doing one thing at one time. Sometimes you'll be uh, the best at that. Sometimes you'll be average at that, uh, but at least everyone's focused. How we've been able to do it now is whenever we reach an impasse where essentially everyone is super aligned, everything's all good that's when we can split out into their roles. We're essentially, for example, right now, I might be more product focused. So I'm the person that's going to scope out the product, make sure it's working, make sure it's ready for the market. 
Chris is going to make sure all of our uh, marketing assets are in the best possible way. We're figuring out what we're going to be doing for communication. And Sammy's handling all the operations, making sure we're able to make payments, making sure everything's going through. We got our kind of client stuff set up. He's building the, the website for us right now to make sure that we can take payments, the product kind of works. So we've been able to split when we need to for certain things, but also if things change, you need to be able to be like, okay, actually what used to be three roles is now two roles and these two people are doing the same exact thing, uh, which is kind of where we are as well today. Yeah, I guess it makes right. sense in a, in a startup to, at the beginning, you need to figure out first what the startup is about and how it operates. So you all need to have a full understanding of how everything works. But you, you three obviously also have different skill sets in your day-to-day -day job and in, in your career. And you've also studied probably a little bit, diff a few different things. So okay. it does make sense to then eventually branch out and be able to split things up so that not everybody has to do the same things. And yeah, exactly. some yeah. people know more about one topic than the other, right? 100%. Like it's not scalable for everyone to do everything all the time, but in the early stages, yeah. this is Simple. the, like, it's the most efficient um yeah. for where you need to be for like today and then tomorrow once you have more things there's more customers there's more stuff then you need to be like okay well now you're dedicated to doing this because that's a focus or you're dedicated to doing this because this has become much bigger but i think one of the most important things that we've learned is taking things solve today's problem today and deal with tomorrow's problem tomorrow if you're always trying to essentially solve for the thing that's going to come in four years time then you're never actually going to move uh, for today so a much more iterative approach is what we're kind of taking. So every day, for example, we have got a website that's live, which we edit every single day. And everyone has a different task and a different role for making sure that website's being improved. But we're all working on the same thing. We're just doing yeah. different things to keep the same goal. Cool. Awesome. Um, for the listeners out there looking to build their own startup while working full time and sort of maintaining their career like you or like you, what are some time management strategies you'd recommend? So how do you manage your time? I think the biggest thing that I would say is time blocking. So know your schedule for work and know your schedule for your personal life. And I think that's been one of the biggest things that I've been able to, like I'm a quite organized generally person. So if there's something I need to plan, I'll make sure it stacks up. But if you know that you're going to be working full-time job, also trying to do a startup and also want to have a personal life, make sure you've essentially done your 50% is going to be of work. I'm going to spend 30% on the startup and I'm going to give another 20% for personal life to make sure everything stacks up or whatever your hierarchy uh, is based on time. And then make sure you lock in those time slots and then don't miss them super important that you then make sure you're there every single time, even if other people miss them, because it's then becomes a habit for you. And then also everyone else around you is able to then accommodate. Because if let's say, for example, I have a four hour meeting on Sundays, but then I decide actually, it's not just going to be on Sundays, it's going to be on Saturdays sometimes, or it's going to be on a Friday sometimes, then the people around you also can't uh, organize their lives in a, a productive way, because you're moving your dates all the time. So it's much harder for you to manage. So that's the way that I do it is I make sure that everything's already blocked out. And then I'm very transparent with communicating. These are the times that I'm available and these are the times I'm not available, which then makes it super easy for everyone else in my life to then know, oh, okay, cool. I know Jeffrey's busy that time, but actually he's free here. And it makes it personally easy for me to be like, oh, actually 
I know I'm always free on a Wednesday. No problem. Like, let's get dinner on a Wednesday or I know a Thursday's free or I, I can always do a Saturday. So these things make it super easy for me to then be able to manage the personal stuff outside of the dedication for work. Hmm. You- Super interesting. I think time blocking as well as um, really then sticking to those times that you, you block out for your startup as well as obviously your corporate career mm-hmm. is, is super crucial. And it's a very insightful tip, I guess, for everyone out there trying to yeah start a side hustle or a startup on the, on the side or even dealing with, I guess, two jobs at the same time. Mm-hmm. So would you say that's your prioritization mantra as well? So meaning if something urgently comes up either way on your corporate as well as in your startup, job side that's kind of how then you start prioritizing i guess compromising the personal life then rather than of either but is the time blocking technique also your prioritization technique in a way to then say okay i am prioritizing that over the other when it comes i've got i like actually legitimately have like a priority list so the top priority list is my girlfriend always then below that is (laughs) essentially the startup And then below that is normal, like work stuff. Now the work stuff is obviously what pays my bills on a day-to-day basis. But for example, if anything outside of those work hours comes up, then I can always say, and I think it's important for everyone to know that you have to set your own personal boundaries in a corporate environment, Mm -hmm. generally, whether you're doing a startup on the side or not, so that you can make time for personal life or other things that you're passionate about, whether that be business, sport, et cetera. And that's like a super important thing. So when people know, for example, that it's 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. whenever we finish, no one expects to be able to get a hold of me. And Hmm. I keep that up quite consistently that you're not going to be able to call me on my phone. My work phone uh, actually goes in like a drawer, like when I come home and I don't even know where it is most of the time. So if you need to contact me, like don't send me a WhatsApp, send me a Teams message. Like WhatsApp is for my personal life or for my business. It's not for like you to try to get to get to me faster. So I think these are like habits that you have to kind of instill to make it a little bit easier. And then when you're thinking about those priorities, like once you have that priority list to your question, it makes it super easy for you to be like, oh, actually someone's asked me, hey, look, I have a birthday. Cool. No problem. I have a call. I will come after that. I will still make sure I attend that event because you're an important person to me. And I want to make sure that I'm able to celebrate you, but I have this thing that's locked. So I will just come after and it's, people are pretty accommodating. It's not like it's a massive uh, deal. I think people are kind of like, okay, cool. And people are mostly supportive. I would say like, I don't have anyone in my life that's not supportive if I'm really honest, but I would say both just cause like you can't account for every person, but people will know that, like, oh, cool. You're working on that thing and people are excited and they'll tell other people. So I think keeping uh, true to your time scale and true to your priorities also helps everyone else know what's important to you. And then they'll also support you in what the things that are important to you and the things that you prioritize. So for example, I have like a date night on Tuesday and I've got a hubby wifey day on Fridays as an example. Everyone knows that if you try to message me on a Friday, the likelihood is I'm not going to respond or I can't schedule anything. So same thing on that Tuesday. So those things are blocked because also, my startup schedule is pretty crazy of having like all these other things. So you have to block out that time and you can't really move it. And that's just mm. kind of like a balance between the personal life, the startup, and then the day to day, which is kind of like, can't be moved because it pays my bills. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Now, I know that obviously this is for most of the time, time blocking obviously is a, a big thing and it's super, super interesting. But for example, when your job gets really, really busy or something and you just have to stay on top of it, 
not only how do you manage that, but what keeps you motivated then to continue your startup and, and to just keep going? Because sometimes like you, you might crash and burn and be like, oh, it's just been so much work. I just can't get myself to do this call right now or attend this meeting. How do you then actually switch and be like, no, I'm still going to do this meeting. Like what keeps you motivated? I think the, it's a mentality that I have that the, my full-time job is an investor in me and an investor in my startup. So if you think about it that way, you don't, you need to make sure your investor continues to invest money in you so that I can continue to invest the money that they're giving me into the business and the things that I love. So that's how I always picture it. So yes, I'm going to do the meeting. Yes. I'm going to make sure that I'm working hard at work because I need the investment to go into my business or I need the investment to go into my lifestyle or whatever it is. But I always see a salary as an investment. And sometimes investments uh, are there and sometimes investments can disappear. But when you think about your salary as an investment, you treat it a little differently because you know that you need to uh, put it into something that is going to be more fruitful for you in the future. So that's how I uh, kind of manage it or keep myself motivated. Someone is investing in me so that I can do something better uh, for this. And I always tell people that like your job is essentially just seed money for you to do something you care about. So take the seed money, go do something you care about. And that's it. I, I love what you just said, because I think most people think about the salary they get as like a means to live their life or like a means to like pay bills and like move to the next day or the next month or whatnot. Whereas when you see it as an investment, it is, it, it's also shifts your mindset totally. Yeah. hundred mm -hmm. percent. I think, there's always going to be a balance between like basic, let's say money management of have all your bills covered, but everything on top of that, that's investment. And I think if you do your, say you do your finances backwards where you essentially invest in yourself first. So whenever money comes into my personal account, that money, everything that is investment money essentially gets pulled out of my account immediately and gets put to different bank accounts around the world for different things. And whatever's left is the money that I have to live on. So it's like you take your investment first. So you pay yourself first, essentially. And then whatever's left is how you deal with. And there's a book called Profit First, which essentially is where this comes from. So you essentially take your investment or your profit off the top. And then whatever's left is what you live with. Because at least for me, whatever money's in the account, I'm going to spend. So I make sure that my credit card limit is exactly what it needs to be or lower, I don't go to the max or whatever's in my account. There's only enough that in case I reach the MIC, the like limit of my credit card, there's a little bit so I can make sure I pay it so I don't have to pay any fines. So it's just like managing your money a little bit more smartly to take what you need, take what you want first and then have what you need as last. That's, that's great advice. I'm definitely going to take note of this book. Yeah. Profit yes, really good. Really good. <laughs> Lots to learn there. Thanks for sharing this. Amazing Jeffrey. So, I mean, we kind of talked about accountability, but like, obviously accountability is key when you manage multiple responsibilities, mm -hmm. not just in your professional life, but also in your personal life. So how do you hold yourself accountable having so much on your plate right now with obviously all these things that you're, that you're doing? Is there anything where you say this is really like kind of like a carrot that holds you accountable or like makes you stay motivated or actually show up, do that meeting, et cetera. 
do you have like one thing that you can share with our listeners? Um, yeah, so I would say what, so I think for me personally, I'm a, I'm motivated by like other people. So this is what keeps me motivated. So for example, there's the guy that I work with, his name is Darren. He's like my boss. And for me, the reason I go to work every day is because I want to see that guy succeed. In reality, he's like, imagine I'll attain my like dream job. No, but I like that guy. And I would really like that guy to like live his best life. So that keeps mm -hmm. me coming to make sure that he's doing well or wrong K is doing well. And I want to see those people who they're like, I want this to be my career. I want to help them do that. And that's what keeps me coming in. And the same thing when it comes to personal life and also with my startup, I like we did this like workshop and I had to come up with this quote, which is what is my thing that I want to move into the next year with or move. And for accountability, the thing that I kind of said was I want to be married to my wife and my partners. So these are the people that I hold myself accountable to. So my partner, and then also like my partners in the business, and I want to make sure that they succeed. And if I want them to succeed, then that means I have to kind of work hard to continue to support other people. Not everyone is, let's say, motivated by other people succeeding, but that's like how I do it. So this is how I have to, mm. I guess, reframe it. And what I would probably say is like, whatever your carrot is, build your entire life around your carrot. So if your carrot mm. is like being motivated by other people. If your carrot is essentially getting uh, likes on Instagram, like build healthy habits around the carrots and then mm. dive into that as much as you can. Yeah, super cool and very, very interesting. And I, I totally advocate that. I, I personally also see aspiration, other people succeeding and, and helping them succeed through yeah, either the work I'm doing or, or working for XYZ. So, so that's a very interesting carrot in, in your personal life, which, which I share as well in, in my, in my profession, as well as my personal life. Oh. So now having talked a lot about your professional side of things, as our podcast is also about nurturing the, the mental health aspect of things and personal life, mm. the first question we want to dive into is the question that everyone is asking, I guess, in, in regards to the balance between work commitments that are one thing. And then how do you also manage and maintain and nurture your personal life? You've mentioned your girlfriend being at the priority list, number one, but in general, like obviously everyone needs a, a balance in also enjoying life and, and going out there. Dubai has so much to offer, yeah. um, great culture scene, great nightlife scene, etc. So what, what is your mantra in terms of the, the balance? I think mantra in terms of the balance of personal life. What I would probably say is just really, really, really important to make sure you make time for yourself as well as everyone else in your personal life. And I think for someone that has his foot on the gas quite often, it's really important to make sure that I step on the brakes and I have days where I do nothing or I have days where there's nothing that has to be scheduled or I can kind of just wander around. Those are the things that allow me to have the balance where I think the balance is more in terms of like self-care, I would probably say. So like going to therapy and making sure that you're kind of taking time to yourself, going to get a massage when I can, all these things that are kind of more slowing down rather than me waking up in the morning, going for a run, working on something as soon as I get back, then going to the office, then going to a call and then making sure I go to a dinner. Those things will happen. And that's just like the life that I live. But then I have to make sure that those extremes also have the extreme of like nothingness. So sometimes I'll sit and I'll watch anime for like, 48 hours and then feel better afterwards <laughs> or you, know, yeah. you go out partying for like a whole night and like 
you're hungover in the morning, so you can't think about anything. So you slow down. Not to say that's a healthy habit, but these are the types of things where you like forced breaks, I think are quite important in the healthiest way possible. Yeah. Hmm. I think that brings Great. us to really my next question. How do you manage your stress and avoid burnout? And how do you wind down? I mean, you already said like doing nothing or watching anime, but what is really your goal to, to manage your stress and to wind down? I would say my go-to for winding down would be like, I read a lot of books and I think I try to read fiction books. Yeah. Fiction books, which are the made up ones. I always, yeah. I always forget in terms of like fiction, nonfiction, but I try to read fiction books because they take you out of your current world and they're not like a business book that's trying to like teach you something. So you're not like thinking about like, how do I improve myself? It's like some story about someone random. That's like either quite nice or a little dramatic, but it's interesting. And I go on walks every morning. I go for a run every morning. This is like the time that I have this essentially nothing time. So this is my time. No one else is up at like five in the morning. I don't have to pick up my laptop to start working. I can just put on my shoes, go outside, go for like a walk or a run, listen to an audiobook. And I think this is like my little piece of break every day. And then I used to do yoga, which was, I was a really, really big fan of, which is also mm -hmm. like a forced break because all you can do or like boxing, all you can do is think about your body movements and there's no time to think about anything else because you're too focused on trying to stay in this very specific position, which is kind of painful or like kind of relaxing, but mainly painful. And as a result of that, you're kind of like stuck just thinking about this movement. And I think that keeps you from thinking about work, personal life, all these other things, but gives you that kind of break where you're just kind of only focusing on the internal. And then I'll try to treat myself to like a massage, like every month or something like that. Just like a bit more relaxed. But those would be the things that I would do. And I try to do therapy probably like once a month, which is also like a really nice break. I have a really great therapist that I found here in Dubai who's like super, super amazing. And just being able to have that other person to talk to and to bounce ideas off or things that you're thinking about or like, oh, I thought about that the other day or whatever it might be. Or like this thing, because I think sometimes you, when you're going through life on gas, you don't stop and reflect on anything. And even when you stop and reflecting, I'm like distracting myself, right? I'm watching a movie or listening to an audiobook, but you're not actually reflecting. So actually sitting down talking to a therapist and reflecting on things that actually happened to you and also understanding maybe how big something is when you might've like, you're like, oh, that was actually a big event, but I kind of like just blew past it. So I think these things are quite important for downtime, reflection, personal health, mental Yeah, health. I guess therapy does sort of let you reflect on things a little bit and lets you talk, talk out something and it can help you throughout your day-to-day -day life also on, on the things that, I don't know, that, that are going through your head and you might want to like, Re, re, rethink and then yeah. have somebody else who like asks you questions about it. Yeah, and exactly. It gets you to compartmentalize, which was actually my next question a bit about therapy, but you already touched up on it quite well. Right. So yeah, thanks for that. It was super interesting. Yeah, no problem at all. Great. So our next section is we are coming to the closing almost, okay. but we're going to have a quick fire round. Okay. So Oops. I'm going to ask you five questions and you just get, give me one answer each. <laughs> and it's very straightforward, just again, to get to know you a bit better. So first one is coffee or tea? Tea. I hate coffee. <laughs> Morning person or night owl? Morning. Always. Okay. What time? 5am. 5am. Crazy. Okay. I'm definitely the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> one book that changed your life. The latest book that changed my life is called The Goal. It's a really, really old book. Really, really old book. Yeah, Reading it right great. now. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, it's good. Darren just read it as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Your go-to productivity hack. Go-to productivity hack. Oh, uh, using ChatGPT and Scope Notes to essentially send follow-up emails. Like I use it every day. <laughs> That's great. Best advice you've ever received. The best advice I've ever received was from my mother. That was, if you ever loan money, never expect it back. You'll keep a lot more friends that way. Very smart. Thank you. Interesting. Thank you. That was the fire round. And now we're going to the end of our podcast interview. And we have two questions for you, which I think would be quite interesting for our listeners. The first one is a new one. And the other one we've already uh, done in our first intercast. But the oh. first one is... What advice would you give to someone who's just starting their entrepreneurial journey or undergoing a significant career transition? Mm, you're not alone and everyone, everyone is just trying to figure it out. There is no exact step step process. The guy that you think has it under control or the woman that you think is super amazing, they're all lost. They're all going to therapy. They're all trying to figure it out. Nobody has any idea what's going on. That's a fair, that's probably a very fair thing to give advice on. I, I like that. And the next question is, if you could change one thing in your past, what would it be and how would you now do it differently instead? I don't think I would change anything in my past, but I think, I guess maybe I would, I think this is your guys' last podcast and Kevin had an interesting answer, which is more of like, maybe you would learn to do something sooner. And I think I would have probably learned sooner about like the running lean methodology and stuff like that in terms of how to go like the a bit of a process in terms of how you actually pilot your business and figure everything out so i think that was one of the biggest things that's helped me sammy and chris with like our startup was actually going through and reading like running lean was actually the book that i meant to mention earlier and it's a super amazing book that's really transformative in terms of the way that it approaches getting validation for a product before just building it. Because I come from like my career earlier is like all about building great products with the best design, with all the best features, because everyone's going to love it. Uh, but this is all about actually find someone who's going to pay for your product. And then if mm -hmm. no one is going to pay for it, then don't build it because you don't have a market. So I think that was a really big difference from the way I used to do things to the way I do things today. Thanks for sharing. That's, yeah. that's super insightful. Yeah. So thanks, Jeffrey. This was super inspiring to hear your story, obviously, from your current corporate profession to what you've done in the past to your startup. So best of luck for that. We're getting we're very excited to be, obviously, hopefully your first trial audience <laughs> to to run uh, the, the beta. And uh, yeah, best of luck for that. And thanks for, for your time today. It was a pleasure having you on the Growth Garden episode two. And yeah, I hope we will soon touch base again with you once maybe you're in your next stage of your startup. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. And we're all very excited to hear how Scope Notes is going to look in, you know, in a couple of months. And so a big thank you. And big thank you also for being on the podcast and being our first interviewee. And yes, also thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. And please let us know if you have any topics that you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. We're always happy to hear what everybody wants to hear about. And maybe we can find an expert or someone who, who can share their journey of whatever topic you would like to hear about. 
And yeah, don't forget to uh, keep an eye on Scope, scope Note uh, and see how that's going to progress. And looking forward to speaking to everyone again soon. And keep on cultivating your growth journey. Until then. Thank you. Thanks.